and DC, we're just hoping that you listen. Welcome to the Washington football team preview show brought to you by District Divided and its family of networks. I am Amit. That is KDOT. We are your usual hosts, and we are joined today by Thomas Carter. Thomas Carter is a very special individual because he did something absolutely spectacular in week three of this NFL season. Thomas, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you did week three. What's going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm a big D.C. sports fan. I got the Curly W tattooed after the World Series. So uh, ride or die, all D.C., win or lose. Um, from the area originally, and both my parents are, so we're pretty heavily rooted in the area. And, uh, you know, I'm swinging for the fences here in week three, just trying to cook up a parlay and, and shrug gold. So I'm sure we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that later. But, uh, again, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. And thanks for joining us this week. As you said, Washington football team fan. So we're going to get into it. We have the New Orleans Saints this week at 2-2. Two and two. We're going to do just a very quick overview of how they've done so far, some of the key players, things like that. Then we get into the injury report as of Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday evening. This releases Friday, so you'll be seeing this today. Um, and then we get into both sides of the ball, the Washington football team defense that has been struggling against the New Orleans Saints offense and then the Washington football team offense against the New Orleans Saints defense. We will conclude with our predictions and we are also going to be in honor of what Thomas did. And we're, you know what? We're going to stop keeping people in suspense here. Basically, he went 15 for 15 on a parlay, turned $11 into, Thomas, how much did you turn that into? Uh, a little over 50 grand. 50 Jesus grand. Christ. <laughs> That's how you get into pocket. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So right. we're going to, in honor of that, give you our week five picks game by game, making sure we all cash in this time on Thomas's galaxy brain over there. But as I said, let's begin with a quick overview of the New Orleans Saints. They are two and two so far this season with wins over the Green Bay Packers, which was a surprising result week one, and then against the New England Patriots but they also lost to the Carolina Panthers as well as the New York Giants. And the New York Giants was a bit of a surprise. So when we look at them so far, we don't really know what to expect. They seem like a very, very random team so far. Two and two, Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback this season. It was future Hall of Famer Drew Brees for the last 15 years. So it's brand new what they're doing on offense, highlighted by Alvin Kamara, who's been steady for them, superstar running back. And Deontay Harris is the wide receiver with the most targets on the team with 15. Eight of those came last week against the Giants. And then on defense, we have Demario Davis, who leaves the team in tackles with 30. Marcus Williams, the safety, the uh, legendary safety who let Stefan Diggs go uh, in that playoff game, has two interceptions for the team, leaves them there. And then they got shut down cornerback Marshawn Lattimore who is going to be tasked with stopping scary Terry McLaurin. KDOT, we're going to begin with you. What are your thoughts on the New Orleans Saints this season? What are your expectations for them? Feels like looking in the mirror to a certain degree, right? Uh, in the sense that you got a team that know, we don't know what the hell they are at this particular point in time. I mean, you look at the defense for New Orleans, let's say they're playing at a really high level. New Orleans overall is a team that I think most people overlook their defense. But you're looking, I think, points favored that they're like top five. I know they're at least top ten. Uh, for uh, yards, they're right around 10. Um, they've been excelling there. But offensively, where we thought with Jameis Winston, we all know the 30-for-30 30 30 season that he had there with Tampa Bay, 
him getting in the fold there in New Orleans, we thought, all right, high-powered offense. They haven't necessarily looked completely high-powered offensively, but you know they have talent and they have guys that can go. So like Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston, that's a team that if they all do start clicking or firing all cylinders, they could be really, really dangerous. And um, it's just not a team that you ever want to overlook, especially in that division that – Regardless, I mean, Carolina looks pretty good, at least early on. Tampa Bay, we know, is going to be in the conversation. Atlanta, we just played those guys, and they went all the way down the wire, and everybody would probably say Atlanta's the worst team in that division. So this is not a team at all to overlook, even at 2-2. Two and two. This is one of these games, kind of like the last three, where you got two franchises kind of get their get-right game, try to figure out who it is they are. So I think everybody at Ashburn right now better be on their P's and Q's getting ready for the Saints. Yeah, I think that's a really solid breakdown over there. And Thomas, I want to throw it to you as well and get your thoughts on the Saints. Is this already a must-win game, even though it's just two and two? It's just week five. How does it feel for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it isn't necessarily a must-win game, but I definitely think it is a can-win game. Um, when you look at the slates, we got a lot of tough games coming up. And uh, in the last, you know, four weeks, the Saints are two and two, and it's like, what team are we going to get on Sunday? You know, they've looked very good, and then they lost to the Giants, who – coming into that game, hadn't won a game, and didn't particularly look good. Um, and obviously the biggest difference here is uh, Jameis coming in and, and replacing a legend, first ballot Hall of Famer, and, and Drew Brees. And, um, you know, it, it was funny, I was joking about it, but I think him actually getting that LASIK surgery uh, and sitting behind Drew Brees and, and learning for a year actually was going to do him a lot of good. And uh, I'm a Florida Gator fan, but him being from FSU, always kind of rooted for him. And uh, I think he, uh, I think he's going to be the biggest thing we're going to have to work out, work out for. Um, our defense is, has been slacking, and uh, I think he uh, will have a potentially big day if we're not careful. So that's our their biggest, my biggest concern going into Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a totally valid concern. I actually uh, want to talk about their running game, and we'll do that once we get into the breakdown over there. So why don't we just jump into the injury report, and then let's get into those breakdowns. So for the injury report. Now, as you guys know, Logan Thomas is now on IR. So Ricky Seals-Jones is going to be taking the primary pass-catching role at tight end. We got John Bates, who's going to get some more playing time there. Here's the other problem. As of Thursday, that means everyone, these players have missed both days of practice. Deami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims. As three wide receivers... And Logan Thomas, who, of course, is already missing the game, that have missed both days of practice. You add in Brandon Scherf as well. This offense is hurting. So that is the injury report for the Washington football team. We got a couple other guys that have practiced in the limited capacity, like Antonio Gibson. We expect him to play. Uh, and a couple guys that have been marked as full. We only read the do not, did not practice guys. And then for the New Orleans Saints, the two main ones, Eric McCoy, starting center, and Taron Armstead, starting left tackle. They both... <laughs> missed practice Wednesday and Thursday. So they are in jeopardy of missing the game. They both actually missed the game against the New York Giants. So maybe, maybe a good opportunity to get after Jameis Winston, though he was not sacked in that game against the Giants. So that's the injury report for you guys. Looks like the New Orleans Saints offensive line is hurting. And for us, our receiving core seems to be totally, totally decimated. You could see more J.D. McKissick. You could see more Antonio Gibson you know, out of the backfield, uh, catching some passes. Maybe Ricky Seals-Jones has a career day. Who knows? But let's first talk about the Washington football team defense against the New Orleans Saints offense. Thomas, you were talking about being concerned about Jameis Winston. What specifically about him concerns you? Are there any playmakers of theirs, receivers, could be Cabrera out of the backfield that concern you? Um, well, I think most importantly, and it's kind of just a 
a bad matchup in this particular game. Um, I mean, Jameis has been throwing a really pretty deep ball, and that's absolutely where we've been getting shredded all season. I mean, we've, we gave him a touchdown against Atlanta last week where there was no one within 15 yards of the receiver. Um, and the secondary just completely lost out there. And I, I think, you know, we keep hearing the defense talk about how we're going to shore it up and, and, and things are going to start to click. But unless we start seeing that happen, I think we're going to continue to see the same results we are currently. And uh, I think we're going to be extremely prone to the deep, deep ball if we're not careful. Okay, uh, I think that's totally fair. The deep ball has been a problem this whole time. Okay, heck, if Darius Slayton had just caught the ball, one and three, maybe even zero oh and four, depending on the momentum that you take in. So that is a really good point. Deep ball, look out for that. K dot, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, same deal. I mean, right now you look at a Washington defense that don't know how to communicate pre-snap or shit, even when the play starts to develop. Um, John Bostic, another guy that we didn't mention, but he's out, even though he's been a bit of a liability there in coverage. Damn uh, Jamin Davis has not gotten a lot of snaps the last week or two, roughly, but when he did play, PFF was rating him fairly high as he was getting more reps. But overall, it, it just speaks to this defense and Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio kind of wanting the talent to take over and for like the light switch to hit. And I haven't seen that happen. So I don't know what they're doing as far as adjustments. Um, I'd like to see them do more stuff as far as like blitzing or just something scheming up something. And it just seems as though they're just waiting to see that these guys are just going to change their minds on playing tough defense. And Jameis Winston, if he gets time there in that pocket, as a lot of these passes have been getting, even when they don't get time, guys are just open, especially in that uh, in that uh, shallow area because our linebackers in the lack of coverage. Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris will light us the fuck up. Not to mention Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. I mean, that's a guy that if you don't have a linebacker or someone that can get there to him, he will make you do all sorts of shit you don't want to see, be seen doing on SportsCenter as he's making his way down the end zone. Off defensively, we've been pretty good against the run. I mean, I'd say we're fairly average. I think we're going to have like four yards of carry, but nobody's really gone off on us. Um, and I wouldn't expect Alan Kamar if he's going to have a big game to go off of us as far as on the rushing attack. But I really, really do believe that he's a guy that gets out of that backfield and gets that football. He will make us pay, and he will make us pay big unless something changes. Here's the thing I'm going to say. So I hear you both on the Jameis Winston talk. As of right now, I think the New Orleans Saints are either last or second to last in passes attempted. Okay, They are actually first in terms of rushing plate percentage. 58% of the time, we think about the Cleveland Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running 52% of the time. That's a ton. There are only two teams above 50%, and New Orleans Saints are well above it at 58%. Alvin Kamara is the guy that makes them go right now. He has had over 20 career rushing attempts in four games in his career. You guys want to guess how many have happened this year? No idea. Three. Three of them. So they are clearly changing their identity while they get Jameis Winston more comfortable in this offense. His career high in attempts, 26. That happened last week. His career high before that, 24. That happened in week three. So they are clearly trying to use Alvin Kamara as much as possible, which is my, my first key of the game is we got to stop the run. I really think if that's what they're committed to doing, we got to stop the run. And my second one, because I think, Thomas, you made an excellent point about that deep ball. Jameis Winston's playing out of his mind. He's had a pass rating of over 110, three out of four games so far. He's being very, very smart with the football. We got to just pray he has a bad game or pray that this defense wakes up. That is legitimately a key. Go to church before the game and pray. Because if we can stop the run, 
it's going to force him to throw. And I do think he is a very, very good quarterback. Do you guys have any other keys to add over there? What are your thoughts on those stats? I thought they were pretty mind-blowing that the Saints run as much as they do. Yeah, like the COVID vaccine, I believe in science and data. I'm not going to pray. I'm hoping Jack Del Rio fucking schemes something up. Otherwise, it's going to be a long day. I mean, that's the thing is that we've been looking for this offense to click. And week after week, it's been against teams that you think they would have that click moment. The New York Giants, right for the picking, all the injuries they had going in the game. Then you got the Atlanta Falcons who have necessarily, who have not been doing what it is that people think they've been doing, and we're in a shootout with them. So, I mean, right now, especially if you're looking at New Orleans and they play high, low, high, low, high, low, they had a low game against the Giants. If I'm following what it is they usually do on their track record, this usually is a game that Jamie's plays pretty well. So, I mean, I get the stats, but at the end of the day, we make some quarterbacks that are fairly mediocre look pretty good right now with what we're doing defensively. So I get the Alvin Kamara thing. I still think the front four, for the most part, have been doing a pretty good job against the run. Um, we still have enough speed that they've been able to get up with those line, get up with those uh, running backs, and be able to be able to stop them. Um, but I, I'm just terrified of the pass, and I'm terrified of Jameis if he's smart with the football and he's not turning it over for us to get our opportunities. They're going to drive down the field in those methodical drives where you talk first down after first down after first down, and that shit is demoralizing to a defense to relying on talent and energy to get the job done. Thomas, I want to switch it to you. Do you think the defense gets right this week, and are there any final keys on this side of the ball that you wanted to highlight besides the deep ball? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to believe that they will get it right. Do I think they will? I, I really don't think that they're going to change a lot in the whole week unless they're going to do a fundamentally completely different scheme. I mean, we've been seeing a lot more zone, um, and these NFL quarterbacks, if you inevitably in any kind of zone, there's going to be holes in it, and then they just get picked apart most of the time. And, and, and on the D-line and the pass rush front, we've seen no stunts. We've seen no twists, no one pulling out. I don't know why Chase Young is on coverage in third and seven uh, frequently. I mean, it's, it's blowing my mind. Just, you know, it's, we have all the pieces we need to run an elite defense. We have all the talent in the world. Um, and it just boils down to coaching. And it's, it's kind of fascinating because I thought it was a pretty well-coached unit last year. I don't know why they try to fix something that, that wasn't broken. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think they're going to get it right this time around. But we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and we actually highlighted it last week when we were like, what the fuck is wrong with this defense? It's like, you know, we beat Carson Wentz. We beat Andy Dalton twice. We, the, the quarterbacks we mm -hmm. beat, Nate Sudfeld, the quarterbacks we beat actually weren't very good. And so we were wondering if we needed to adjust our expectations. Do you think we need to adjust our expectations here, Thomas? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we do need to be a little bit more realistic. We've got a lot of uh, elite quarterbacks on the schedule and even very high-level quarterbacks. I mean, we've played Herbert. Um, we got Mahomes coming to town and then, um, I'm actually going out to the game in, in uh, Las Vegas, and Derek Carr, other than Monday night, has looked pretty good this year so far. So uh, that, that is a, that's a great question, and it's going to be a great test. And, and unless we can get to those guys, I don't, I don't really see us putting much Ws on the board. I think you're totally right there. And just speaking of the Chargers-Raiders game, it was fun seeing both D-lines go to work. Lots of stunts, like we were talking mm -hmm. about, that we don't see over here. Those D-linemen worked together, and they were relentless. It was a joy to watch as a, as a guy who loves defense myself. Let's flip the script, and let's talk about the Washington football team offense against the Saints defense. And, Thomas, I want to begin again with you. What are your thoughts on this side of the ball? Anything in particular you want to see Heineke do or Gibson? Go ahead. Floor is mm -hmm. yours. Yeah, sure. Um, so, for, I want to see uh, – I thought the play calling was a lot better in Atlanta. Um, it, more tailored to Taylor's, uh, Taylor Haneke. I, I went to ODU actually. So a big Taylor Haneke fan. Um, it, it allowed him to feel a little bit more comfortable, roll out in the pocket a little bit more. 
And uh, with those receivers out, I'm, I want to see some screens uh, with, with McKissick, um, get Terry involved on some, on some uh, wide out slot passes. Um, and, uh, you know, just a little bit more fluid execution. And I think this O-line needs to get a lot of credit for how they've held up so far. Uh, that was the biggest question mark heading into the season. And uh, I think they've actually performed pretty well. Um, so I think offensively is, is my least concern. I think we can score with the best of them, honestly. And, and I have a lot of faith in them. Um, even with the injuries we have, I know losing, uh, you know, the, the receivers is tough with uh, Sims and then obviously Curtis just coming off of uh, IR. But uh, I think we'll be okay as long as uh, we continue to improve on the play call and actually calling stuff tailored to Taylor, no pun intended. <laughs> no, I really enjoy it. So you said you went to ODU and you were there while Taylor was there as well. Is that right? Yeah, so I was actually uh, – I was recruited to play football and then I had a ton of labrum surgeries on my shoulder. Um, so my freshman year was his senior year there. Um, I went up and picked pick classes with the full player, and I was like, hey, coach, I, uh, I wanted the late classes, but I probably can't play this year. So left it at that because uh, they practiced like at 8 in the morning there. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but it, he, he was a beast, man. He had those, those stadiums packed. Yeah, th- I mean, hey, that's awesome. He was talking on the Pat McAfee show about putting up 50, 60 points weekly. Yeah. It's just what they yeah, did. It was, so. it was expected. Wow. That, that's, that's real cool, man. That, that is a pretty awesome story. K-Dot, let's, uh, let's get back to it. What are your thoughts on this matchup? How do you think our offense is going to do against this surprisingly good New Orleans defense? I think this is a real good test. Probably, uh, I mean, if we're looking at the guys that we have played, I always throw out week one, not really a measure of what the hell is going on, um, especially how well we played against uh, the Chargers how much New Orleans blew out Green Bay. No one's using that as a fighting principle for the rest of the season as far as what happened in week one. Um, but if you look at some of the other opponents we've had, I mean, if we're looking at the Giants' defense, nah. Uh, Atlanta's defense, eh. Uh, Buffalo's defense has been pretty good at times. I think this is a this is a very good test for Taylor. I mean, I'm with the let him cook mentality. I think that we have guys that if you get them in space with the ball in their hands, they make special things happen. Um, J.D. McKissick. Prime example, that backyard football there to win that game last week was just amazing. I mean, that's where you're – Ron Rivera a couple of weeks ago was saying something about Taylor wanting Taylor to be a game manager. That strips him of what he's good at. He's an improviser. He's going to make mistakes. It's the same thing. I, I look at him as baby Favre without as strong an arm. He's going to make mistakes. And you got to understand that, but you have to let him cook. And you got to let him make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes if he's going to be what he's at. I mean, everybody may get thrown off by his age, but he doesn't have that much experience in, this, in the National Football League. You got to let him do his thing. But J.D. McKissick, if you get him in space, he can do things. Antonio Gibson, receiving out of the backfield, anything. Give him the ball. Terry McLaurin is automatic. Just throw it his way. Just get him, feed him the rock. I don't care if it's on screens. I don't care if it's on slants. I don't care what's up. Just feed them the rock. We have to just get the ball in the playmaker's hands. I don't know exactly what's happening with Curtis Samuel because of what happened on the injury report. I can imagine they're probably just trying to hold him, rein him in so that they can get him back up to state. But those, like, I think of the four balls that he caught, like three were for first downs on, um, on third downs, huge. Like that, we need guys like that to just get the ball in their hands. We have playmakers. And I actually think somebody who showed up at the end of that game, where I think he had a really good catch, even though he gets a lot of criticism from me for some of his choices, I want to see DeAndre Carter in space. This might be his opportunity this week to get the ball in his hands. This, to me, I don't know what's going to show up here. Like, this is why we got Thomas on, because I don't know how to pick this game. I'm going to need him to shine some light on me about this, because right now this offense looks amazing. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the offense that is carrying us, and it, nobody expected that. 
But I, I just want to see what it is they can do with the ball in their hands and maybe put up some points. Yeah, we said it on the general episode. When Tyler, oh, Tyler, my God, when Taylor Heineke uh, is the starter, 28.3 points per game. That is good for seventh in the NFL, just a half point behind the LA Rams. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, we're talking about Sean McVay, offensive genius, Matt Stafford, MVP candidate. And we're right there. We're right there with the best of them with not nearly the level of talent, save Terry McLaurin, who's spectacular. I agree on Curtis Samuel. I do think he's going to end up playing. I think they're just resting him. He knows the offense. I mean, he's been with Scott Turner forever. So I have no issues with Curtis Samuel not being available. I think he's going to play. The thing that concerns me is New Orleans is very, very good against the run. They are very, very good against the run. And if we're missing a ton of receivers... Uh, it could get dicey. It could get dicey. They're opportunistic. They force turnovers. They, surprisingly enough, don't sack quarterbacks that often. So it, it almost, the the picture it's painting is like, they're just making stupid decisions when they throw the ball or something like that. But Taylor Heineke, I need that backyard football, but I also need you to protect it. it, it it's two things that sort of clash against each other, but he's shown the ability to balance it out because I think he's been great improvising and also not turning the ball over. Heck, on the Terry McLaurin play, which for whatever reason on social media, everyone's criticizing. I mean, if you see the All-22, Terry was wide open when he let it go. I mean, the, the corner got up. He caught up. It, he interfered with him. I think the ref would have thrown a flag on the play. Uh, Taylor's been playing great, so keep doing your thing. Uh, be aware and protect that football. We got a home crowd. We'll help you out. Um, and then, of course, just find some success on the ground if you can. New Orleans averaging only three yards allowed per carry. So it's going to be a bit tougher for Gibson. It's going to be a bit tougher for McKissick. If Jared Patterson gets some chances, I'd actually like to see Taylor Heineke use his legs here. I think this is a really, really good spot to throw them off their usual rhythm on defense. And then I think things can open up for not the usual suspects. Adam Humphreys, Ricky Seals-Jones, DeAndre Carter, you mentioned. It. It's a really good shout. Um, and let's see if we can get Curtis Samuel going because Marshawn Lattimore on Terry McLaurin going to be really, really tough. What are your thoughts on that Marshawn Lattimore-Terry McLaurin matchup, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's going to be pretty tight. Um, if I had to put money on it, I, I'd, I'd say, you know, Terry still probably gets a couple balls for, you know, 70, 80 yards and a, and a touchdown. Um, and then again, because one thing I really love about him is his routes are so fluid. And even if, if, if Lattimore has that tight coverage on him, which he's typically very good at, um, Terry's exceptionally good at cl- catching in uh, tight spaces and, and close coverage. Um, that touchdown that you just mentioned in Atlanta, uh, the second one, uh, is perfect example. I mean, had a guy draped all over him. The first catch against the Chargers, that deep ball over the shoulder falling to the ground. I mean, his, his focus and ability to catch the ball is incredible. And and Taylor's placement is really good. So I think um, it's a tough matchup, but I think it's someone that Terry can certainly handle. Yeah. Kato, what are your thoughts on just Terry McLaurin so far? It's been a joy seeing the national media open their eyes and realize just how good Terry McLaurin is. I'm especially loving where it's coming from. It's wide receivers, uh, former quarterbacks. It's a lot of former players that are like, you guys don't understand what you're seeing when you're seeing this guy play. And that, to me, was always the thing about Terry. Like, I've been to so many arguments about, are you taking Terry McLaurin or A.J. Brown? I'm like, look at the tape. <laughs> like, he's just incredible. And the quarterbacks he's had throwing the football his way to still be able to produce the way he has is insane to me. Um, Terry's going to be uh, – that's, really, uh, that's the thing is that – 
it seems like no matter how much you drape him, he still finds a way to get that ball in his hands. That's the, that's the thing is, like, the amount of targets he gets compared to the amount of catches he has, that percentage, is high as hell. Like, he just comes down with the football. But there, there's one thing I did want to mention, backing up just a little bit on Taylor Heineke, which is I know, yeah, you said things kind of clash as far as um, being a gunslinger, turning the ball over, and we need to protect the football. I don't want to put that much on Taylor Heineke. I just want to make sure that we're, we're looking at it and contextualizing it properly. With that kind of mentality, that kind of quarterback is going to come with some good and some bad. But what we expect is a defense that can bail him the fuck out at least once or twice, which is not what's happening with this. If this defense could say, hey, if he throws a pick, no worries, we're going to get this ball back for you, or not every single time the, the opposing offense gets, gets, the, uh, gets the ball, then we're looking at points being on the board. We need the defense to step up. So even if Taylor goes out and he throws a pick, which you know you're going to get with him, the style of play, it is going to cause a turnover. It's just a fact. You have to live with that. But if we want him to play loose and we don't want him to be that game manager, we need to be able to bail him the fuck out. Terry does a great job of bailing him out. Other guys need to step up and do the same thing. And I think Ricky Seals-Jones is a really, really good sleeper pick to really, really have a good game this year. I was going to say that's a really, really good shot there. And I think for me, it is about adjusting the expectations to where I came from, adjusting the expectations on defense to go, okay, we've got communication issues. we got to figure this out. It goes lower and lower and lower. With Taylor Heineke, you, you know how I feel about him. I thought he was the second coming after watching the Tampa Bay game. Thomas, I'm sure that aligns with your thoughts, seeing as you went to Old Dominion. I was like, dude, give him the one-year $10 million deal because I think this guy is ridiculous. He came out of nowhere, was a COVID emergency quarterback, and then is toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay defense. I mean, what more to be said about Taylor Heineke? Thomas, final thoughts on Taylor Heineke here. Also, I'm curious about your thoughts about when Fitzpatrick comes back. Do you think it should still be Taylor's team, or do you think it should go back to Ryan? Go ahead, and then we'll get to predictions. Yeah, so first off, I'll, I'll take it back to last year, the, the Tampa Bay game, um, and I won't get too much into it, but I absolutely believe that's a game we should have won. I thought it was very biased referee-wise. Um, but yeah, Taylor absolutely balled out. I have the legend of Taylor Heineke shirt, dive into the pylon. Um, so, and, and again, I, I completely agree with you. When we signed him, I mean, the two-year, $8 million contract that we have with him is an absolute steal. Um, and on the flip side, Fitzpatrick, I think he's a great guy. He's a good leader, but I was so uninspired by the signing. I just, it really was the low hanging fruit, I thought. Um, and if you're going to try to get someone that's going to win games for us, I thought it was pretty obvious we already had a clear cut pick on our team. Um, and I mean, the team absolutely loves him. They get behind him, they rally behind him. He's a fierce leader, he's fearless. Um, I mean, he makes plays. No moment is too big for him. And I, he's proven that several times over in the small sample size we've seen. And uh, I really think he's just going to continue to grow. He's got a good relationship with um, Scott Turner. And, uh, yeah, I think going forward, he absolutely should be our starter. And Fitzpatrick shouldn't even be the question. And, and I know he has no problem when Miami, he was a great backup with Tua when they were flip-flopping back and forth. And I, I think uh, he should absolutely be reserved to, to being a backup and mentor to Taylor and let him take the reins from here. I think totally fair, given how well Heineke's played. I understand the Fitzpatrick signing. I think KDOT and I have talked about this. We were excited about it just because you look at his QBR over the years and it was getting better and better and better. But there was just something about that Taylor Heineke performance for me that just, uh, it was so inspiring. It was so much fun to watch. You could see Chase Young getting excited about him. You could see Terry McLaurin being like, I have so much respect for that dude. It felt like the momentum was riding with him. KDOT, seems like you want to say something real quick. I just I like Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot, and um, I, I thought Miami fucked up when they benched him last year. Um, the 
angle that I have is that under no circumstances can you say Taylor Heineke is not playing the best football in enough football to have us win games. He's not the reason we've lost games. And until that becomes the case, and I'm hoping it never becomes the case, Ryan Fitzpatrick is never going to see the light of day again, at least in the Washington uniform. Um, I think it just goes down to that. If it comes to a point where the offense is stymied and we're not getting the job done, yeah, I, I think you have to figure out what it is you have. I mean, Taylor, at the end of the day, I, I, I'd like to see the team grow with them, but, I mean, there's a – part of me kind of understands that certain guys take certain contracts in certain areas. Maybe certain guys will perform. Maybe we're seeing Taylor at his absolute peak. I don't think we're seeing Taylor at his absolute peak. I think he can go further. But if he does stymie a bit, then I can understand, like, if we're going into next year saying that we need to find another quarterback – because the offense ends up being dog shit for the rest of the season, which I don't see happening. I'm just saying I don't completely close the door on Ryan St. Patrick. It's just about Taylor and whether or not he's playing lights out football. But um, I, I still think Taylor right now is – right now he's auditioning to see whether or not he can be the guy. And I understand that, and that's cool, and, and do that. But just keep, keep scoring 28 points a game. We're good. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> just keep doing that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we could keep talking about this for hours, I feel like. I think, I think we got a whole lot of passion about Heineke, about Fitzpatrick, and all that. But let's get to I those I got to go with my man with beards, man. It's a, it's a camaraderie <laughs> thing. Like, you, you, a rock form, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think if you had led with that, Thomas and I both would have backed off. And been yeah, like, man, I was scrambling for words because yeah. it didn't make any sense what I was saying. I just wanted <laughs> to say he has a beard and I support like, him. Wait a minute, I have a beard. <laughs> Oh, got it. Okay. That's about quarterbacks. And if he plays all well, fuck that. He has a beard. I'm supporting again. All right. K-Dot, with the thickest beard on this pod, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with your prediction? Washington, two and a half point home underdogs. Okay. Home underdogs against the New Orleans Saints, the unpredictable New Orleans Saints. The over-under is at 43 and a half. K-Dot, what is your prediction for this game? As always, I want a score and a winner. Well, I've been... Scoring all these games fairly low, I think, recently, um, just because I still don't believe that Washington has an offense. But I think this ends up being a shootout, if anything, if it goes our way, So, because um, I don't know if the defense is waking up. So let's go with uh, 30-27, Washington over New Orleans. Okay, 30-27, to 27, Washington over New Orleans. Thomas, first question, are you there? Second question, what is your prediction here? Sorry, I was, I was actually looking at the lines here. Uh, <laughs> okay, gotcha. No problem. Um, yeah, I am here. Uh, second of all, I, um, I'm going to go uh, 27-20 Washington. Taking, I'm, I'm liking the over on that slightly. Um, the one thing that does concern me is it's a pretty tough loss for uh, New Orleans last week, so they are going to be fired up for that game. But I think you know we, we're going to have a home crowd. I think we'll see a little bit more fans in the stand this week on our side. And uh, I, I think we get the job done. I really hope, I really, really hope you're both right. For me, until the defense proves it, and given how opportunistic this Saints team is on defense, I, I can't bring myself to pick us, unfortunately. So I've got New Orleans at 34, because I don't think we could stop anybody right now. And I do have Washington at 27. I think we get a late touchdown there to make it 27, try an onset kick. No dice, but I hope you're both right because if we're three and two, then when we get smacked by Kansas City, it feels a heck of a lot better because we go, hey, we're three and three. Those are three AFC losses, feeling good about ourselves. So we've got 
KDOT, we've got Thomas both picking Washington. We've got myself picking New Orleans, but let the record show I am very much hoping I am wrong on this. Now, in honor of Thomas's parlay, and I couldn't help but notice he went 15 for 15, but did not pick the Buffalo Bills to beat the Washington football team. I respect your loyalty there. You may have lost out on a little bit more money, but I do respect it. Let's get into the other picks. Any final words on that parlay, by the way, like the emotional roller coaster of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can give you a quick rundown if you want of just kind of the, the whole day and, and kind of how it went. Um, so, yeah, my, my dad and I are, uh, you know, kind of sports gamblers hobby-wise. And, uh, you know, we were sitting at B-dubs actually for the UFC on Saturday night. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to build my parlay here. So I went through, looked at the lines, picked a couple of upsets, had the Chargers over the, uh, the Chiefs and Bengals over the Steelers. Um, and then I was at home with my girlfriend watching the uh, WTF game. And uh, I actually fell asleep. It was like such a blowout. I was, I was like, I was so blown. And the, Dustin Hopkins did like the one redeeming thing he's ever done in his entire career and briefly saved my total hatred for him. But he, he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, doesn't deserve to be a kicker on our team. But I was, I was hyped that, that recovery. Um, but after that, it was pretty much downhill. And uh, I, so I passed out. Like the game was like 10 minutes left over fourth quarter. I was like, let me see how my, my parlay is doing, see how it, if it busted. And uh, like who, who inevitably lost. Um, and I, when I woke, when I went in the FanDuel, I could, I saw that I was able to cash it out for like 700 bucks. So I'm calling my dad. I'm like, dude, like this, this thing's still alive. Um, and, and I'm like, seriously, at that point, like, you know, like what are the odds that like it continues out? You know, I still get the four o'clock slate and Sunday and Monday night. So I call my dad. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let it ride. Um, at that point, my nerves are still pretty low. And then, you know, come like, 6 30 7 o'clock those four o'clock games are starting to wrap up and i'm like oh damn like all of my picks are, are alive right now and you know the raiders game i took the raiders and, and they started down 14-0 real quick and then i was just kind of seeing them slowly getting back and I was like, you know it's miami um two was out and i'm not a big two fan anyway and and Brissette, he's not terrible but uh i had a lot of faith in the raiders so and, and most of those games were actually pretty easy other than that game that game ended up going into overtime um and so i'm sitting there i have that on the stream and, and like sweat my ass off watching that game um, and so then ironically, I actually had picked another nine leg parlay that day that had ended with the Rams beating the bucks. And, uh, so that, that won about 36 grand on a $20 or 30, yeah, 3,600 on a $20 bet. So I had actually hedged all of that on the 49ers for the Sunday night game. And then, uh, I'm sure you guys saw that game, how Insane. Packers were winning literally the entire game and, and some phantom pass interference calls in the Packer long story short Packers you know, take are losing the 30 seconds left. And, you know, in uh, Rodgers, when I bet on the Packers, it's typically I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers to just shred the other team. And, and typically that's the right move. Um, and then, you know, Mason Crosby is, is uh, lining up for the 52 yarder. And then I'm literally blowing on the TV to, to get the kick to go in. And, and that goes in. So come, uh, so, so after that game, the cash out offer was like 20 grand. Um, and I'm sitting there, like, calling friends, family. They're like, you know, you should just cash out. That's a lot of money, man. I'm like, yeah, it's like $30,000 more. And I really think the Cowboys are about to whoop the Eagles' ass. Like, it's pretty big mismatch. Um, you know, everyone's like, my dad's are trying to convince me to hedge money. So I went either way. So I ended up raising, like, $7,500 um, from friends and family. And I just throw it on the Eagles' money line. And then I, I go out to beat up with a group of friends and, you know, watch that ass whooping from the Cowboys. So that was that. And uh, it was pretty sweet. And, um and so with the money, like I went out, I got like a Ducati and uh, actually I'm buying a, a rental property. So doing, doing, doing some good with it. Can't, can't argue. Dude, congratulations. Probably one of the only times you have ever said, how about them Cowboys on a Monday oh, night? Oh, dude, I was like, I was like, my hatred has melted for the Cowboys. Uh, like I'm, you know, like big Dak fan. 
So yeah. uh, <laughs> always had been. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'd yeah. do it for I'd How do about 25 them boys? bucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I've never been a bigger Cowboys fan in my life. All right. I, well, I told everyone I was like, no green. No, no one was wearing green that day. So. Dude, congratulations. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. What a story, yeah, too. Absolutely yeah, love it, you. sir. And as you know, or as you should know, you are welcome on this preview show anytime or even the general oh, show that we that. do. Yeah. But why don't we go ahead and get into some picks? Um, and if you go and oh, and 15 here, oh, and 16 here, <laughs> you, we'll rescind the invite. It's totally fine. But let's get into the week five NFL picks. We already have the Washington New Orleans game sorted out. Thomas has Washington. KDOT has Washington. I have New Orleans. Now let's talk about Tonight's game, or I guess at the time of this recording, the L.A. Rams against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Tom, let's start with you. Yeah, um, you can still hear me if I'm if I'm not on the screen there. Yes, I'm just I making can. sure I'm going. I'm going through the app here. I like to, I like to look at it right on the app. Okay, yeah, um, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so so my philosophy Thursday night football is always a bit of a crapshoot. That being said, uh, the Rams took a pretty ugly loss to a now I'm going to say a proven Arizona team. Um, Seattle looks good, but I think the Rams are just the most complete pick, complete team on offense and defense. And they're actually my Super Bowl team still. Um, so I'm going to take the Rams tonight for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one, um, but I think uh, Matthew Stafford will get it done. Okay, so we've got Thomas on the Rams. K-Dot, no offense to you. I'm only going to be tracking Thomas's picks here. Um, and K-Dot, who do you have in this game? Yeah, I'm only making the picks the way that I'm making. I want to change all of the whatever Thomas is saying, but I'm making my picks based on the fact that I've already done a podcast that's gone live on YouTube, so I have to stick to it. So I got the Seahawks winning this game. Okay, and you got the Seahawks. I also have the Rams. Uh, KDOT and I are both very, very high on the Rams. Uh, I think the Seattle defense just can't stop anybody right now. Love Russ. No. Love seeing him cook, but he struggled against them last season. I expect him to struggle a little bit tonight. Um, it just feels like a prime report. time Russ Wilson, 12th right? man, real loud Thursday night. He's apparently undefeated on uh, Thursday night football, but you know, we'll see what happens. I've got the Rams as well. Thomas, to you again, the London game, the New yes. York Jets against the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got? Yeah, so the Jets actually busted my big three-legger last week. Um, and uh, being that it's another crapshoot game, you know, the weird hours that they're playing over there, I'm going to actually roll with the Jets on this one at plus 120, money line. Um, I, uh, I think they took a step in the right direction offensively and defensively. They were storing some things up. I know Tennessee had a lot of people out last week, but the Falcons just looked pretty pitiful uh, last week against us and in uh, a lot of aspects. So I, I'm, I'm rolling with the Jets. I think the value's in, in the NY there. All right. K-Dot? Feeling less good about my picks this week. I have Falcons. Yeah, I'm feeling good about mine. I've got the Jets. Uh, Calvin Ridley wow, is Wow, I'm going to struggle this week, maybe. Calvin Ridley is <laughs> missing the game. Russell Gage missing the game. Uh, Tennessee was missing their top two wide receivers, and they lost mm-hmm. to the Jets. So I'm hoping the same thing occurs here. Patriots, Texans, I think we will all probably agree on this one. Thomas, who do you have? Yeah, I, I think the Patriots will win that pretty pretty handily. Okay, Patriots. Yeah. K-Dot? Pats, got one. All Ooh. right, yep, same here. Pats. All right. Lions at the Minnesota Vikings, Thomas. Yeah, I think the Vikings are a better team in their, their record. Um, and Detroit, you know, I, I kind of do feel bad for them. They've lost a lot of tough ones where I think they've shown a lot of heart, but I think the, uh, the Vikings are going to take this one. They're just a better team. Okay. Vikings, KDOT? Agreed on all lines, Vikings. All right. And I've also got the Vikings. Now, here's a fun one. Eagles, Panthers. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think uh, in the long shot parlay, I do have the Eagles winning that one. Um, I know Carolina was 3-1 and one heading into Dallas, but they had a pretty puff cake schedule heading into that game. 
And, uh, you know, the Eagles gave the Chiefs a game. I know the Chiefs aren't that good this year, but uh, I'm, I'm taking the Eagles on that one. Okay, he's taking the Eagles. KDOT, who do you have? Panthers. I also have the Panthers. This is what Ooh, separates the okay from the excellent. And <laughs> we're rolling with we're rolling with the Panthers, but Thomas has the Eagles. All right, so that's where we differ. Saints, Washington. We've already done that. Titans, Jaguars. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, that's a, that's a Titans dub. I think uh, my boy Urban Meyer. I say that sarcastically. Is uh, completely in shambles, and that team's mind is the furthest thing from what's going on in the field. And uh, I think that's going to be a pretty easy win for the Titans. Okay, K dot. Uh, yeah, Titans. NFL teams, stop hiring first-time NFL coaches that are uh, from the college ranks as head coaches. Yeah, it, it, it clearly doesn't seem to work. Let, the, let them be a coordinator or something like that. I also have the Titans. Now let's talk about the Dolphins and Buccaneers. This one seems obvious. Is that right, Thomas? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to look too much into that one. I think that's going to be a, a pretty, uh, pretty easy win for the Bucs. Okay, easy Bucks win for big. the Bucs. Bucs big. I've also got the Bucs. Packers Bengals. This one's actually a little bit interesting. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, Bengals look good. Uh, I think they're one of the sleeper teams. I actually have them making one of the wild card teams in my prediction uh, for as long as far as the season goes. But right now, I think the Packers offense looks pretty unstoppable, and uh, I think that trend's going to continue, and they'll they'll win a, a pretty good game. Okay, cool. We got the yep. Packers over there. K dot Packers. I've also got the Packers. <laughs> This one, I think we may have some division. Broncos at the Ben Roethlisberger Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's a tough pick. Um, it, I, I uh, not really too high on either team, but Big Ben looks like he belongs in a retirement home. I'm going to go Broncos. Okay, Broncos. Okay, dot. Big Ben slash hurrah. Going Pittsburgh. I'm also going Pittsburgh. <laughs> All right. So I think, uh, well, if Drew Locke plays Pittsburgh, if Teddy Bridgewater plays, I think, uh, I think the Broncos end up winning that. Uh, Bears, Raiders, 4 o'clock slates. Thomas? I'm, I'm going to roll Raiders. Uh, I think they're an inconsistent team, but I think they'll get it done. The Bengals just don't impress me. It is uh, Justin Fields' first start, so that'll be interesting, but I'm going to go Raiders. Okay. Got the Raiders, KDOT? Raiders as well. I'm also going Raiders love their D-line. And Justin Fields, when he won against the Browns, uh, did not look like a lot of fun for him. So I got the Raiders. Browns, Chargers. This is a really fun one. I think the line is like half a point. So it really is a pick Mm -hmm. Thomas, who do you have? Games in LA. I like the the Chargers in that game. Okay. Got the Chargers. KDOT? It's the one I struggle with the most, but I'm going Browns. You're going Browns. I still haven't really picked this game, honestly. I I think I'm leaning Chargers, honestly. Um, they suck against they suck against the run, though. That plays right into Cleveland. But uh, you talked about labrum issues, uh, Thomas Baker Mayfield's got one right now. You don't look right, so I'm going Chargers. Um, all right, Giants Cowboys, Thomas. Yeah, it's going to be a Cowboys beatdown, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're your favorite team after the yeah, amount of money exactly. they got you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting the Dallas star right next to the curly dub tattoo. <laughs> K-Dot, what about you? Cowboys and Diggs continues his catch streak. <laughs> All right. That would be six interceptions for Diggs minimum. I've also got the Cowboys winning that. Now we got the 49ers and Cardinals. Could be Trey Lance's first ever NFL start. Games in Arizona. Well, in Glendale. Uh, go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, um, you know, my uh, my brain tells me 
Arizona, but my uh, my upsets happen every week. I'm I'm gonna roll with the 49ers on this one. Okay, 49ers, go ahead, K dot. Make me feel good about my Niners pick. Let's go Niners. We got two 49ers. I'm, hey, listen, until the Cardinals lose, I'm just going to keep picking them. Kyler Murray looks incredible right now. Give me the Cardinals. Now, Bills, Chiefs. I think this is a good opportunity for a parlay to hit, considering how bad the Chiefs defense is. Are you going yeah. with the Buffalo Bills? Which is amazing because they're a three-point underdog on the road, but I think that's going to be a 10-point win for the Bills. Okay, there it is, yeah. Bills. Okay, I'm starting to get the hang of this. Sir, I think I'm starting to figure it out. All right, K Dot, go ahead. I'm not at all, Chiefs. <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> I think the Chiefs. Something's going on. Their defense fucking sucks. I'm gonna go with the Bills because the Bills' defense is really, really good. Uh, I think that's gonna be the difference here. They'll just slow Mahomes down enough. Final game of the week: Colts and Ravens. Thomas. Round us off. Yeah, uh, Ravens have looked a little inconsistent. Uh, that 66-yard that field goal to beat the Lions uh, had me sweating a little bit at the replay, but uh, I think they get it done here against a pretty banged-up Colts team. Okay, Ravens. K-Dot? Lamar in prime time. Give me him. Yep, I've also got the Ravens. So just to recap Thomas's and Thomas's picks only, he has got – and this is all money line, by the way, just to be clear. This is not spread. This is just – Straight up winner. Who wins the game? Do not worry about the points and stuff like that. We've got the LA Rams tonight at the time of this recording. We've got the New York Jets. We've got the New England Patriots. We've got the Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, Tennessee Titans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers, Denver Broncos, LA Raiders, oh, Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me, LA Chargers, Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers, Buffalo Bills over the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens. And if you want to make a ton of money, I would highly suggest making those picks yourself on a bet slip. And this is District Divided. This was the Washington football team preview show. Thank you so much for sticking with us all the way through. And congratulations on the free money you're about to earn. I am Amit. That is KDOT. That is Thomas. Thomas, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so much for being on. You know you're welcome anytime. Hope you had some fun today. Uh, that was a blast. Uh, Amit and Kadeen, thank you very much. Uh, I would I would absolutely love to uh, to do this again. That was a good time. All right. Absolute pleasure, Thomas. Nice to meet yeah. you, man. Likewise. Nice right. to meet you guys. Take good care. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good one.